Hello, and welcome to Afternoonified, the podcast that's proudly sponsored by the International House of Ghosts. I'm Emily. And I'm Sarah. When when did we get sponsored by IHOG? Hoffman level genius, Sarah. I mean, I get it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we could have done it all in Japanese like we did for the taco episode. Uh, no, no. Yeah, that's what I thought. Actually, I find Japanese a lot easier to pronounce than uh, Spanish. We'll it's those see. Latin languages that I just can't. Really? I don't have the right tongue for it. Yeah. Uh yeah, I guess taking, what, five or six years of Latin did pay off in the long run? See, Latin I can do, because Latin is straightforward. It's when you start getting, like, the ends with, the, like, little tilde above it. It's, and it's just like, yeah, Yeah, it's, it's all of those noises that I just can't <laughs> manage. I can't do the R's. I've been, yeah. pra- like, learning Spanish for a while now, and I still can't quite get some of the R's, but we'll get there. Um, all right. So, welcome to the spooky season, assholes. Um, finally! I mean, it's been spooky season for me since probably mid-July, but... (laughs) Yeah, you've been buying Halloween decorations for at least half the year. No, no, I... I've been uh-huh. shopping for Halloween decorations for most of the year. I uh-huh. didn't actually buy any until August. Yes. Um, my treat for getting a bunch of editing done this weekend is getting to put my Halloween decorations out. Woohoo! Might have been up for three weeks, but <laughs> this is not this is not supposed to be a dig at you, but <laughs> I put my normal fall stuff out and then I'll do Halloween and then I'll go back to fall stuff. See, <laughs> August and September, well, no, not August. I don't actually decorate in August. I did wait until September this year, but like September and October are Halloween. And then it's the three weeks between Halloween and Thanksgiving that gets like generic fall stuff. And then it's Christmas and I decorate for Christmas. Okay, that's how it goes. I usually do Halloween. De- I usually don't decorate anything until the last week of September, but I decided I wanted to take my fall stuff out early. I have a glass pumpkin that I'm very fond of, and I wanted to look at it, <laughs> uh, which that stays out for Halloween as well, but it just gets different filling. Anyways, <laughs> what spooky tales are we talking about today, Emily? Um. Well, Sarah... If I know one thing about the paranormal horror movies and paranormal horror movies, it's that the Japanese have the most terrifying ghosts. This is correct. Runner-up to other Asian countries because Thailand is on some weird shit and also Mexico. Um, Fair. Mexico really, I would say just about any other country than the United States seems to have better ghosts than us. Yeah, ours are all like Civil War generals and shit. Um, yeah. The, well, Canada's kind of in the same boat. Sorry, Canada. A lot of prospectors and A lot of prospectors. So many prospectors. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Japanese ghosts. And what I have come to appreciate about Japanese ghosts is not that they have specific haunting stories. Like, this lighthouse is haunted, that kind of thing. It's, like, legends about ghosts. And they have different types of ghosts so it's it's a lot more theoretical but also more like in depth 
Yeah, it's less individual stories about, like, this is the ghost that haunts this particular house. Yeah. And more like, this is a type of ghost that will haunt you if you do this thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think that's also something that you get from, from different countries as well. Um, but specifically, Japan, I've noticed it with. Um, and, like, one of my favorite horror movies is the original Japanese version of The Grudge, which plays into, like, their... Uh, their lore really heavily so that's a good primer if you're looking to get into it uh, ringu is also pretty good i prefer the ring but that's just me being american so grain of salt this is this is like a genre of horror that i've never really gotten into like i saw the ring when i was like way too young to see the ring me too it was probably I, honestly i was probably age appropriate but like mentally yep. i was not ready to see the ring <laughs> and, and that kind of fucked me up for a little bit. So, like, I I missed that whole, like, early 2000s J-horror kind of thing. I, well, I mean, we did a lot of remakes. The originals uh, that came out in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, um, like, I find Juon to be scarier than The Ring. Mm-hmm. Just because they didn't... It, it's, like, the, the original Japanese thing. It's they didn't take it and Americanize it so, like, our little brains could handle it. <laughs> they were just like, nope, fuck them, and then they made this movie. Yeah, this is not this is not a ghost, and it's kind of off topic. But did you ever watch Audition? No, don't. <laughs> yeah, I. It's it seems like a lot. I my lasting memory of this is um, I was home for like the summer or the weekend or something, and I w- went over to a friend's house, me and another friend, and he was the one who convinced us to watch Audition. And then halfway through, like, the worst part, he decided he couldn't handle it, and he just got up and left the room. <laughs> it's like, you're the one who wanted to watch it. Anyway, it was traumatizing. It's fine. I turned out okay. Eh. Tell me a ghost story. I'm going to tell you many. We're not going to get into Japanese urban legends, because that's a different thing. Um, I was planning on covering it a little bit, but it just it's too much of a rabbit hole. So there is a different... Whatever. We'll do a mini on it. No, we won't. <laughs> All right. So let's start with an overview of the afterlife in Japanese or Shinto culture, because it is very different. Um, so like I was saying, the concept of a ghost is slightly different in Japan and most of Asia, to be honest, than it is in the Western part of the world, obviously. I mean, they have different spiritual beliefs, so mm-hmm. that'll create different ghosts. Um, so the name for generic ghost in Japanese consists of two kanji, uh, yu meaning faint or dim, and rei meaning soul or spirit. So, yurei. <laughs> um, alternative names include bore meaning ruined or departed spirit, uh, shiro meaning dead spirit, or yokai, which I don't know what that one means. Uh, so, like, our idea of ghosts, yurei, are thought to be the spirits of people who could not make it to the afterlife. So, that kind of stays the same. Okay. Classic ghost. Yeah. Um, according to traditional Japanese beliefs, all humans have a reikon or soul. And when a person dies, the reikon vacates the body and heads to a version of purgatory where it hangs out until proper funeral rites are performed, which allows it to head on and join its ancestors in the afterlife. If this can be accomplished, you have yourself a brand new ancestral guardian who will watch over your family and come visit every August during the Japanese version of Dia de los Muertos, the Oban Festival. Because, I I mean, if you aren't familiar with Dia de los Muertos, it's the one day of the year that the dead can come over to the 
the living world and visit uh-huh. their families and you leave them offerings on uh, altars, like stuff that they liked when they were alive. Go watch Coco. This is so very similar to that, but in yes. Japan. The Japanese version, but I'm sure Japan was doing it before. Doesn't matter. It's the same vibe. It's a day of the year when the dead can come visit the living. Yes, I'm sure that's not unique among world cultures at all. No. Then there's what happens when proper rites aren't performed, or the soul in question has been involuntarily ripped away from its earthly body via murder or suicide or horrible accident, or if they died with powerful emotions, such as desire for revenge, love, jealousy, hatred, sorrow, your general angry Typical ghost. unfinished business, yeah. Yeah. Or just normal unfinished business, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, the Rikon will then transform into a Uri, which can return to the physical world from purgatory. So basically, it gets so mad that it comes back to deal with it. Um, the emotion or thought doesn't even need to be a particularly important one. Like, you could have just forgot to turn the gas off. <laughs> I'm saying, like, you die angry at the person who cut you off in traffic, and yeah, then now yeah. you're, like, doomed to be a ghost. Exactly. Um, and once a thought enters the mind of a dying person, their uri will come back to finish their business before returning to the afterlife. And I have to assume, based on this information, that Japan is full of ghosts with anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I can't die in Japan. I'll never leave. Nope, you'll be stuck there forever. So the spirit then exists on Earth until it can be laid to rest, either by performing the missing rituals, resolving the emotional conflict, or um, by force. Uh, if the rituals are not completed or the conflict is left unresolved, the Uri will just keep on haunting. Oftentimes, the lower the rank of the person who became a Uri, the more powerful they will return as a spirit. Kind of like a Mario Kart when the people in last place get better items. Yes, exactly like that. Exactly like that, which is a Japanese game. Hmm? Coincidence? Interesting connection you're making there, Emily. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I like this Mario Kart theory of the universe. All right. So if you want ghosts, that's how you get ghosts. But I'm sure you're wondering what they look like because they don't look like our, well, sort of. We'll get into it. Are they not just like human-shaped beings um, yeah. covered by bed sheets? They've got a special flavor. And that flavor is terrifying. <laughs> uh, so identifying features. In ancient Japan, your eye were invisible and formless. Uh, then, during Japan's Heian period, uh, which was 794 to 1185, they just looked like regular people. Uh, when they would pop up in stories during this period, it was usually in the context of someone interacting with them and not knowing it until later. Okay. So, like, real, like, solid people, not not necessarily, like, transparent yeah. ghosts that you would see. Kind of like that urban legend of the guy that found a girl on the side of the road and gave her gave him his sweater and... The, she's been dead for 40 years. <laughs> that kind of thing. Except, you know, deeper, I guess. Um, so the origin of the most common depiction of the Uri dates back to Japan's Edo period, uh, 1603 to 1868. And I know you've seen this before because it's been a huge part of pop culture in the U.S. It's a pale-faced spirit with messy black hair, white burial kimono, and no feet. Hmm, yeah. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Some experts believe that Edo-era Japanese artist Maruyama Okio popularized this depiction when he painted a portrait of his dead lover, who was a young geisha that... Ke- geisha? 
I've never been clear. I think I I know it is geisha, but whether or not that is actually correct is it's the only time I say it in the entire script. So uh, anyway, she came to him in a vision. So and not having a good day, apparently. No. Um, all right, so let's get a little little deeper. Um, in Shinto, which is like the Japanese uh, religion, it's a it's a whole thing. Weird, right? Centuries, millennia old religion. Not getting into it. Um, I mean, you, you you could do like try to explain it in ten minutes, just like how you can totally explain Catholicism in ten minutes. I don't want to do that either. <laughs> It's a god-based religion that is practiced in Japan. By god, do you mean, like, the generic god, not, like, the Christian god? Yeah, just, like, lowercase god. Gotcha. Anyway, so in Shinto, white is a color of purity traditionally reserved for priests and the dead. Thus, spirits appearing in white checks out on a basic level. Yep. Yeah, in a lot of Asian countries, white is actually reserved for funerals. I think I have heard that before. Uh, so the, the hands of a Uri are said to dangle lifelessly from the wrists, which are held at held outstretched with the elbows near the body. So I don't know if you can mm, picture this. Hate that. Kind of, yeah. I can, great. in fact, picture that, and I don't like it. Uh, they typically lack legs and feet and float in the air. And these features originated uh, in the Edo period block prints, um, which is a beautiful art form, despite the fact that I tapped out during that section of my Japanese cultural history class. Um, anyway, <clears throat> this depiction was taken up by kabuki, which is a Japanese form of dramatic theater with big costumes, dancing. It's amazing. It's very dramatic. So in kabuki, this lack of legs and feet is often represented by using a very long kimono or even hoisting the actor into the air with ropes and pulleys like they're doing a very upsetting version of Peter Pan. <laughs> Uh, Yuri are also frequently depicted as being accompanied by a pair of floating flames, or will-o'-the-wisps, or hirodama in Japanese, uh, in colors such as blue, green, and purple. Hmm. Also commonly known as uh, <laughs> Jedi lightsaber colors. Actually, I think purple is technically a Sith color, and yellow is a Jedi color, but Samuel... did Mace Je- Windu have a purple lightsaber? Granted, it's been 20 years since i've seen the prequels but no, no no mace windu is the only character with a purple lightsaber in the live action films i can't speak for external uh cartoons or anything but from what i have heard from a very reliable source uh Travis. samuel yes samuel l jackson wouldn't do the role unless he got a purple lightsaber and <laughs> george lucas was like but i can't do a good george lucas but he's like but purple is a sith color and Samuel Jackson's like, I don't give a shit. So, anyway. I have so much respect for that. (laughs) Yeah, red, purple, and I feel like there's one other Sith color that I'm missing, but yellow, green, and blue are Jedi colors, except for Mace Windu. (laughs) You have to go pick out your crystal. It's like a whole, like, wand chooses the wizard situation. I'll do a mini on it. Uh, Anyway, so these ghostly flames are separate parts of the ghost rather than independent spirits. So they're just kind of like, they're a part of the spirit, but they're just, they hang okay. out with it. Yeah. They're like, can't think of some, anything like that in the real world. Cause it's a ghost. <laughs> Never mind. It's, it's like um, extra limbs, just not connected. It's like a magnemite in a Pokemon, right? It, it's no, like, those are all connected. Oh, Diglett. Also no. all connected. 
I'm sure there's a Pokemon that has something along it's those probably lines. Probably a ghost type Pokemon because Pokemon probably. is Japanese. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I can think of is um a Japanese uh horror video game. So not not doing anything groundbreaking over here. Okay, so now we're gonna get into the, the bulk of our episode. Now that we've done kind of the primer, like where do they come from? What do they look like? Um this is where things are gonna get um Spooky? scary. Yeah. So in Western ghost hunting, we have different types of hauntings, like residual, intelligent, demonic, whatever. In Japan, they have different kinds of uh, yuri, usually corresponding to the way the person died, what their business was, whatever. This list is not exhaustive because I assume you have the ability to use Google later. And plus, there's so many. There's so many. Right. I there's no way say- you can do like a comprehensive list. Yes, I need to make a note to myself to, to cite my sources at the end of this. So first up... We have the, I'm going to psych myself out for all of these, the Onryo, a vengeful ghost who comes back from purgatory for a wrong done to them during their lifetime. Is this the spirit from the grudge in the ring? Yes. Yes, it is. Also the man who got cut off in traffic. Also the man who got cut off. So they are the ghosts of people who died with such strong passions, they died in a terrible passion, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So they are the ghosts of people who died with such strong passions that their soul is unable to pass on classic ghost instead they transform into wrathful spirits who seek a kind of generalized vengeance on anyone they come across oh cool so they aren't back to like actually get the vengeance that drives them they just are there to fuck shit up well apparently they prefer to um seek their revenge by making the person that like hurt them suffer by like harming the people around them Oh, even better. That's cool. Yeah, so often they were the victims of war, catastrophe, betrayal, murder, suicide, and they display wounds or marks indicative of the way that they died. Uh, So, Onryo inflict a terrible curse on the people or places that they haunt, and this curse can be transmitted to others like a disease, creating a circle of death and destruction, like in The Grudge. So... Like, if someone is killed by this ghost, they will then also come back as an Onri and I don't, just continue that cycle? Or Well, so this is what happened in The Grudge, or Juan specifically, the, the original. Um, Foundational so, Japanese text, The Grudge, continue. Yeah, yeah. They teach it in schools. So there was the original family, and the dude killed his wife and kid. Rude. Very rude. And then... Her, the the wife's lover, killed himself, and then a family moved into the house, and the two adults died, and then their mom was alive, and then Sarah Michelle Geller <laughs> came in as, like, a nurse, and she saw one of the ghosts, and then that haunted her, and then she told someone, and then the ghost started haunting that person. It's like it follows, almost. Okay, it also, too, reminds me of The Ring, where, you know, with the videotape and having to pass it along to someone else. Yeah, I guess that would have been an easier way to describe it. But, yeah, it just, like, people who are associated with someone who's been afflicted by the grudge then also get the right the, the curse. Um, and it just, it spirals. Especially in the Japanese version, because they go into, like, the kids of the policemen who worked on the original case. It's nuts. Woof. So, while most Uri only haunt a person or place until they are exercised or placated, and Onryo's 
grudge curse continues to infect a location long after the ghost has been played to rest. Basically, you're stuck with it. Great. Just what I want to hear about a ghost. For sure. So the most well-known Onryo is the ghost of Oiwa. I don't know if I'm... Whatever. Uh, a young woman who was brutally disfigured and then murdered by her husband. Um, her story is told in uh, Yatsua Kaiden, or The Ghost Story of Yatsua. Uh, Yatsua Kaiden has been retold many times in books, kabuki, film, and like Shakespeare's Macbeth, legend has it that a curse accompanies her story, and all those that retell it suffer injuries and even death. Oh, great. I'm glad we're recording this for our podcast. I didn't get into the specific story. Uh, To this day, producers, actors, and their crews continue to visit the grave of Oiwa in Tokyo before productions or adaptations of Yatsuya Kaiden, uh, praying for her soul and asking for her blessing to tell her story. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, like, I guess if you think about Japanese ghost, that's the one that you think of. Yeah. Feels very classic. It gets worse. Yay! So next up, we have the Ibume. Uh, which is a mother ghost who died in childbirth or died leaving young children behind. And they often return to care for their children. Uh, Kind of like La Llorona, a little bit. Okay. Except scarier. Uh, So these women appear on dark, rainy nights and can take many forms, like a woman carrying a baby, a pregnant woman, or a blood-soaked walking corpse carrying an underdeveloped fetus. Woof. Yeah, just a little bit of an escalation. Uh, Other times they appear as bloody pregnant women crying out desperately into the night for help. I mean, I did warn you, the Japanese have no chill. Yes, no. Zero. None, absolutely whatsoever. Uh, So these variations are due to the burial traditions of different regions of Japan, as well as the circumstances of their death. In some areas, when a pregnant woman dies, she'll be buried with the fetus still inside her. In other places, the fetus would be cut out and placed into her arms during burial. And women who died after delivering stillborn babies are also buried this way. Uh, Ibume wander the areas near where they died, looking for help from the living. If the mother died after childbirth but her baby survived, the new Ibume will try to care for the child in whatever way she can. She enters shops or homes to try to purchase food, clothes, sweets, stuff for her child. In place of money, she pays with handfuls of dead leaves, which is weirdly creepy. Yeah, I don't like that. Uh, These ghosts have also been known to try to lead humans to the place where their baby is hidden so that it can be taken to its living relatives or adopted by another person, in Mm. cases where that is the thing. Uh, In cases where both mother and child died, an abume can appear carrying the bundled corpse of her infant. Uh, When a human approaches, the ghost tries to deliver the bundle into the arms of the living. If the stranger accepts, the ghost vanishes and the bundle grows heavier and heavier until the helpful stranger is crushed under its weight. (laughs) That's mean, considering they were just trying to help, I presume. Don't take babies from strangers. That's like 101. Yeah. (laughs) There was an episode of The Nanny where she took a baby from a stranger on the subway to, like, hold it for a second, and then... The mother got, like, pushed off the subway, and they thought Fran kidnapped that baby. So, that is a wild premise for an episode of a sitcom. (laughs) We were wild back in the early 90s. Or they were. I was a child. You were a small baby. (laughs) (laughs) Only for a couple years. Um, Yeah, so that's... I'm going to say the one that freaks me out the most. Yeah, the dead leaves thing is... I don't know why that's the part that, like, makes my skin crawl. Yeah, why is that the worst part? (laughs) This one's a little more fun. 
Uh, so Fun. we have the Funa Urei, um, the ghosts of those who died at sea. So these Urei are sometimes depicted as scaly fish-like humanoids, uh, kind of like a person in some versions. I like them already. And they are the spirits of drowned sailors, which remain in this world hunting for their former friends and comrades to take them down into the sea. Is there an element here of because they weren't able to be properly buried? Yeah. They have to be ghosts. Yeah. Uh, so like many ghosts, Uri appear as dead bodies wearing white robes. They can be seen at night, either when the moon is new or full, um, on particularly stormy or foggy nights, or during the festival of Oban. They appear as an eerie, luminescent mist, which gets closer and closer until it forms into a ship with a ghostly crew. And now that I, the Emily of yesterday, who was finishing her notes, have read that again, it's literally Davy Jones's ship from Pirates of the Caribbean. I was going to say, it's just like Pirates of the Caribbean. Anyways, uh, sometimes they charge headlong towards the other ship, causing it to steer away so sharply that it capsizes. Other times they pull alongside the other ship and the ghostly crew tries to drag it under the water. Uh, the, ghosts themse- <laughs> the ghosts themselves carry large ladles and buckets, which they use to fill ships with seawater, sinking the ships and adding more souls to their crew. I guess if you've got a lot of ladles. <laughs> this is going to be great. You're going to love this. Uh, occasionally, the funerae strike not as a large crew of man-sized ghosts, but one very large ghost who rises out of the water to capsize a ship immediately. That is rad as shit. Uh, would you rather fight one hundred a boat full of man-sized ghosts, one hundred man-sized merman, or ghosts. one boat-sized man ghost? You know, I feel like hmm, no. I was going to say I feel like the one big man ghost would be easier to get away from, just because yeah. you know you picture him being kind of big and slow moving, but not necessarily if he just kind of rises from the water and immediately capsizes your boat. Yeah, I think it's like flipping a table. Yeah, I imagine you don't get much warning for that. No, um, this ghost often demands a barrel from the crew, which it uses to flood the deck and sink the ship. Um, it is said that a crew can outsmart the funerary by carrying buckets and ladles with holes in the bottom. Despite their efforts, the ghosts will not be able to flood the human ship with such tools. So I'm unclear as to whether the ghosts show up with their own buckets and ladles or if they use what they find on site. I mean, I would presume the latter if that's the legend. I just like that. (laughs) I love legends about ghosts that have details for like how to not necessarily even ghosts just like anything folklore or paranormal where the solution is just like they're really dumb and you just need to trick them like vampires where you just spill a bunch of rice yeah so encounters with ghost ships can also be avoided by boldly this is the word of the article it's reading boldly sailing directly through the phantasm instead of turning to avoid collision though this runs the risk that the other ship may actually be real yeah you you have to be really confident in that decision (laughs) some crews have also escaped the wrath of the funerary by throwing food and provisions overboard as offerings to the hungry ghosts who chase after the food instead of the crew which reminds me of that john mulaney bit where it's like take a money clip Put $100 in it, and if someone tries to mug you, you throw it and run away. <laughs> um, all right, so that's that's your ocean ghost. Good ocean ghosts. Your Davy Jones, if you will. Next, we have the Zashiki war- Warashi, uh, which are the ghosts of children. Oh, 
Oh, no. Oh, don't worry. It's actually not as bad as you think it's going to be. Children ghosts are never great, though. I mean, this isn't like your British Victorian ghost in a long flowing nightgown singing nursery rhymes in the pantry. Like, (laughs) this is no twins from The Shining. No. Um, So these spirits are often mischievous rather than dangerous and are considered house spirits. Uh, They are fond of mischief, mischief, loved by all, and believed to bring great fortune and riches to those whose houses they haunt. See? Oh, that does sound nice. Direct sightings of these spirits are rare, and it is often difficult to make out any details other than a vague childlike shape. When they can be seen, Zashiki Warashi appear as ghostly children, about five or six years old, with blushing red faces. The boys are dressed in child-sized warrior costumes, and the girls in patterned kimonos, and their hair is either- I'm sorry. It's adorable. I'm sorry. That's cute. (laughs) That's so cute. Uh, Their hair is either short and bobbed or long and tied back. Uh, In rare stories, they appear as wild, hairy figures. (laughs) Little itty-bitty Japanese Bigfoot. (laughs) Oh, so cute. Uh, It is said that only children and the house's owners are able to see these spirits. Um, So often the first signs that one's house may inhabit it is by a trail of children's footprints going through ashes or soap powder. And I don't know if they bring this themselves or it has to be provided. Or if, like, you suspect, so you sprinkle it across your floor. Yeah, that was not clear. Um, Other mischief includes making noise, which is a child's speciality. Uh, These noises sound like children's games, like top spinning, paper crinkling. Uh, children's voices, or kagura, which is Shinto holy music. Most hauntings involve a single zashiki, um, while others involve multiple spirits. But most time you just get the one. Um, So they are considered guardian spirits of the house and gods of luck. And it is said that a house with a zashiki or rashi will prosper and grow rich, not witch, very different things. Um, And a house that drives away such a spirit will fall into decline and ruin. In one account, a family witnessed a Sashiki Warashi leaving their home, and soon they all succumbed to food poisoning and died. Jesus. Another well-known legend from the Iwate prefecture um, was a wealthy man's son shot a Sashiki Warashi with a bow and arrow, and soon after, the family's fortunes collapsed. Uh, the desire to attract and keep these friendly yo- yokai has led customs like setting out food and even laying coins in the foundation when building new houses. The Japanese take great care to maintain their formal reception room so as not to drive out any guardian spirits dwelling there. All right, this next one has a little story to go with it. Ooh. Well, actually, it's a big story. I love big stories. A medium story? I don't know. All right, so this is the Jikininki. <sighs> great name. Uh, or hungry ghosts, which for the sake of everyone's ears, I will refer to them as that. Uh, and they are the spirits of jealous or greedy people who, as punishment for their mortal vices, have been cursed with insatiable hunger for a particular substance or object. Traditionally, this is something gross or humiliating, such as human corpses or feces. Disgusting all around. Though in more recent legends, it can be anything. The closest approximation we have are ghouls, which is possibly my least favorite ghost cryptid. Yeah, not a fan of ghouls. No. Little green ghouls. Their whole thing is that they smell. (laughs) Uh, So hungry ghosts appear as ordinary humans for the most part, except their features are slightly off, described as monstrous in a lot of places. So I, I couldn't find anything more specific on that. So I guess like... 
overhanging eyebrows and like that kind of thing. Just general unpleasantness. Yeah. Um, they have sharp pointed teeth that they use to peel the flesh off recently deceased bodies, Ugh. if that's their particular flavor. And they Ugh. are found near villages, usually in abandoned temples or old ruins. And they avoid excessive contact with humans, but remain close to human settlements. That's where the source is. Yeah. Gotta get that corpse somewhere. Gross. Uh, they do not enjoy their existence and do not find pleasure in eating the dead. It merely temporarily relieves some of the pain of their eternal hunger. That is just a lot. Yeah, I mean, I've noticed that quite a few of these are morality stories. Like, (laughs) they are closely related to the gaki, or hungry ghosts of uh, Buddhist flavor, who are constantly starving but unable to eat anything. And these are born when a person performs evil deeds, greed, cannibalism, the Mm -hmm. usual, um, corrupting their soul. Okay, are you ready for a story? I am so ready for a story. Should I dim the lights? I wouldn't. So long ago, a monk named Muso Soseki was traveling on a pilgrimage when he became lost deep in the mountains. As day began to fade, he came across a dilapidated old hermitage where an elderly monk gave him directions to a village not far away. He traveled on, and just as night fell, he arrived at the village. The son of the village chief welcomed Soseki and invited him to stay in his house as a guest. However, he said, my father passed away earlier today. In our village, we have a custom. When one of us dies, we must all spend the night away from the village. If we do not do this, we will be cursed. But you are tired from your journey, and seeing as you are a priest, and also not a member of this village, I see no reason why you must leave. Please feel free to stay in my house this night, while the rest of us leave the village. You know, that's not something I think I would risk. Nope. Uh, Soseki gratefully accepted. The villagers all left the village, and he was alone. That night, the monk recited funerary prayers over the body of the village chief. All of a sudden, he felt a presence nearby. Soseki felt his body freeze up, and he was unable to move. Then a hazy, dark shape crept through the house and up to the body. The creature devoured the remains of the village chief, and then slipped away as quietly as it had arrived. The following morning, when the villagers returned, Soseki told him what he had seen during the night. The village chief's son told him that this was just as local legends say. Soseki was surprised and asked why the monk living in the hermitage did not perform the funeral prayers for the village. The village chief's son seemed confused. There is no hermitage nearby. What's more, there haven't been any monks in this region for many generations. I'm sorry, it's not, it's just, there hasn't been a hermitage around here for 30 years. (laughs) I'm glad it's universal. Soseki traced his steps through the mountains to the old hermitage he had seen the night before. The old monk welcomed him into the hovel and told him, I apologize for showing you such a sight last night. The monster you saw in the village chief's house was me. Long ago, I was a priest. I lived in that village, and I performed many funeral services for the dead. However, all I could think of was the payment for my services and not the souls of the deceased. Because of my lack of conviction, when I died, I was reborn as a jik- jikiniki. There's, it's all I's and K's, Sarah. Uh, anyway, now I am forced to feed off the bodies of the dead. Please save my soul and release me from my tor- torment. In that instant, the elderly monk and the dilapidated old hermitage both disappeared. Soseki was sitting in the dirt, surrounded by tall grass. The only f- feature nearby was an ancient, moss-covered gravestone. Ooh. And his sweater was folded up. And-, <laughs> and the picture on the mantle was the girl. <laughs> and he had been the caretaker the whole time. 
Anyway. I love that all around the world, we're all, we're all just telling each other the same ghost stories. I find that comforting in a way. Well, that's one of those things where every culture has a version of ghosts. And, it, like, it's where, like, those cultures that didn't really have anything to do with one another, and then they met, and it turns out they had overlap in stories, and you have to kind of wonder why. I don't know. I always think stuff like that is a lot more about human nature than some external factor, but that's just me. I think it's I our like know. I think it's in our nature to question what happens when you die and I think we want to believe that there is some part of us that lasts afterward. Yeah, I think I I also think that like maybe people have have picked up on like what the energy like that kind of thing and like extrapolated on it which humans are very good at doing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those are the the types of ghosts that we're going to go over. But um good news, even if after all that you still want to see a URI, I have a list of some places you can go to do so. Oh, fantastic. Um, I am not bringing up the suicide forest for a lot of reasons. Just assume that it's haunted. We'll move on. Also, don't fucking go there. Don't. Don't. But also, like, it's very well covered in any other form of media you are interested in watching and are listening I to. I will admit, I tried watching the Natalie Dormer movie and I could not do it. It's just something kind of annoying about... We're going to tell this story, but we're going to do it from the perspective of a white girl. Two white girls, all played by Natalie Dormer. <laughs> yes. Which you'd think would make a movie good, because it's double the Natalie Dormer. But Look, I'm help. all here for Natalie Dormer, but like, eh, yeah. It didn't help. There was nothing about that movie that appealed to me, is yeah, all I'll no, say about that. Continue. Do your own, re- do your own research. Um, anyway, so we're going to talk about Himeji Castle uh, in Hyogo, Japan, which is a place... Uh, So it is a castle in the middle of the city of Himeji. Uh, Built on a mountain, the castle can still be seen all around the area. It has the nickname White Heron Castle due to its pale white color. It is one of Japan's three big castles and has over 83 rooms and is one of the most visited sites in Japan. That's a big castle. Yeah. Uh, The resident Yurai is the spirit of Okiku, a young girl who had served the samurai Aoma Tessin. Aoma loved Okiku, but his love was not reciprocated. And after she rejected him, this little bitch hid one of his most valuable items and accused her of stealing it. <sighs> Why are men? Yeah, it's universal. Uh, he offered not to punish her if she became his lover, but she Gross. didn't want any of that. So uh, she refused. Aoma flew into a rage, murdered her, and threw her body down a well on the ground. Tale as old as time. Yep. They say that to this day, she could still be heard wailing from the depths of the well where her body was laid to rest. I hope she haunted the hell out of him. Uh, Himeji Castle is also said to be inhabited by the yokai uh, Osaka Behimi, who lives in the castle tower and avoids humans, who she hates. (laughs) (laughs) With you there, honey. In some legends, she takes the form of an old woman or a woman in her 30s. Same thing. Either are. Yep, uh, wearing, hey. a ceremo- <laughs> wearing a ceremonial 12-layer kimono. That seems elaborate. Yeah, it's a lot of layers. Uh, so next, we have the Weekly Mansion. And God bless it for having a name <laughs> that, that you I can, can pronounce. <laughs> Despite being a luxury hotel, Weekly Mansion in Akasaka is one of the most horrifying places to spend a night. Delightful. People staying in building number one on the premises has have witnessed several paranormal activities, like white mists coming from vents, um, 
being pushed on the bed while asleep. So I assume that same, like... Yeah, kind of the sleep paralysis, old hag syndrome, sort of, yeah. Yes. Um, An electrical appliance is turning on by themselves. A woman claimed that she was even dragged on the floor of the room, and when she checked her back later, there were reportedly scratch marks. Yikes. Yeah, it's uh, it's the the Japanese version of the Stanley Hotel. Yeah, so it's kind of an intense ghost. I mean, most just kind of walk around the hallways. I'm just going to throw a trigger warning up for the next one. Oh, fun. Uh, the Komine Tunnel. The old Komine Tunnel, part of the highway system and uh, Hachioji, was a perfectly normal tunnel until eight, uh, 1989 when Japanese serial killer Tutso, Tut, hmm, Sutomu, there we go, Miyazaki murdered a little girl and left her body in there. Not great. Not a great start. Yeah, this horrific crime was clearly not well-received by the locals, and many called for the tunnel to be abandoned. In 2002, the new Komini Tunnel was finished, and the old tunnel was left to do whatever. Ooh, that just makes it more haunted. Ghost hunters and locals alike have stated that the ghost of a mutilated little girl can be seen in the tunnel in nearby woods. And those who've gone on more recent visits claim that the ghost of Miyazaki, who was executed for his crime in 2008, may also lurk in the tunnel. That's like the worst combination of ghosts I can think of. Like a mutilated, murdered little girl and a serial killer. And the serial killer. (laughs) Yeah. That's a horror movie right there. I'm sure someone's made a movie, but well, no, it's pretty recent. Yeah. We'll it uh, might be a little too new to we'll give it five years, especially since they're real people. Um, so the next is Doryoto Temple. And you wouldn't think that a Buddhist temple would be a haunted location, but it is. So the ruins of Doryoto Temple are located in what is now Otsukayama Park um, in Hachioji, which is where the fucking tunnel from the last one is. So I guess go there at your own risk. <laughs> Uh, The temple itself was established in 1874 and was kind of a stopping point along the Silk Road, which traveled between Yokohama and Hachioji, Uh, though it was only prosperous for a very short time. After the invention of trains, it further declined and was mostly abandoned. Uh, That is, until two events shoved it back into the spotlight, and not in a good way. I was going to say, I bet these are not great events. I bet these... it's not like a big festival. It's not like they had Woodstock out there. Uh, So the first took place in 1963. The 82-year-old female caretaker for the temple was robbed and murdered on the grounds. Jesus. The temple was then closed for real and largely forgotten about until 1973, uh, when the body of missing Rikyo University student was found within two miles of the temple. According to the news, the victim was killed by her lover and professor, who also murdered his own wife and children before committing suicide, which I'm pretty sure is also basically the plot of Juon, but go off. Yeah, that's men. I'll just say that. (laughs) Um, Her body wasn't discovered until several months after the murder-suicide took place, which is why, which was a huge story by itself, obviously. The student, who was unnamed in most sources, had allegedly been pregnant and missing since July of that year. The temple was then either torn down, fell apart naturally, or subject to arson, depending on who you ask, in 1983. Any combination of the three, probably. Any combination. Yeah. Um, some believe you can still hear the student whispering in the grounds, while others say that you can hear an old woman crying and begging for forgiveness for not protecting the temple. Visitors to the park and that area specifically state that the whole temple feels gloomy, even on a sunny day. That's deeply upsetting. Yeah, but good news. I'm going to tell you how to deal with Japanese ghosts. Oh, thank God. 
So the easiest way to exercise a URA is URI. I've pronounced like 75 different ways over the course of this episode. One of them's got to be right. Anyway, uh, help it fulfill its purpose. When the reason for the strong emotion binding the spirit to earth is gone, it will be satisfied and can move on. Traditionally, this is accomplished by family members enacting revenge upon the Uri's slayer, or when the ghost consummates its passion love with its intended lover, or when its remains are discovered and given a proper burial. Man, that ranges the gamut from murder to sex with a ghost to just a funeral. To just, yeah, just a very basic funeral. I feel like that last one is going to be the easiest in most cases. Probably. Um, so the emotions of the Onryo are particularly strong. This is the grudge ghost. Mm-hmm. And they are least likely to be pacified by these methods. So you might just have to cut your losses at that point, which did not work for Sarah Michelle Geller, but maybe you're special. Now I gotta read the fucking Wikipedia synopsis for this movie. The grudge? I mean, yeah. Continue speaking. I will do it so after the podcast, but... I would read the original, but whatever. Um, I can do both. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. On occasion, Buddhist priests were hired to perform services on those whose unusual and unfortunate deaths could result in their transition into a vengeful ghost. Uh, practice similar to exorcism. Mm-hmm. Sometimes these ghosts would be defied in order to placate their spirit. So, you know, forcing someone to leave, they kind of get over their shit, I guess. Uh, like many monsters of Japanese folklore, malicious yurai are often repelled by a funda, uh, which are holy Shinto writings containing the name of a kami, which is an earth spirit or a particularly powerful spirit. Like I said, I didn't really study Shinto for this. Um, the afuda must generally be placed on the Uri's forehead to banish the spirit, although they can be attached to a house's entry to prevent them from entering. So I guess if you have a ghost in Japan, try those. Worth a shot. That's what I got. Yeah. Uh, now I'm going to cite my sources. Oh, yeah. I was going to remind you to do that. You should cite your sources. Thank you. Uh, so first we have an article from worldhistory.org uh, titled Ghosts in Ancient Japan. We have a Washington Post article called the Ghost of Japan. Uh, an article from bfi.org called T- 10 Great Japanese Ghost Stories. Mental Floss. Um, 10 Horrifying Demons and Spirits in Japanese Folklore. Travel Triangle, haunted place, 15 Haunted Places in Japan, yokai.com, actually incredibly helpful, hmm. um, and Wikipedia. Of course. And my own personal knowledge of Juan, the grudge. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's Japanese ghosts. That is a fantastic way to kick off spooky season. They are very scary. Um, very easy to create one, I guess. Yeah, just don't piss anyone off. I mean, that's a yeah, good... It's a good just way to live your life. Don't do a murder. Don't do that either. Afternoon fight says don't do a murder. <laughs> yeah, and then you should be fine. Like, learn to take no for an answer. That kind of stuff. Don't take babies from strangers. No, that never ends well for anybody. And be nice to the kid ghosts in your house because they're lucky. Yeah, they're going to get you money. And Unless it's a small Victorian girl who's singing... Nursery rhymes in your pantry. In that case, exorcism maybe, immediately. Yeah. Only Japanese children. If they're British, like, fuck them. Get them out of there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, um, if you have a, a ghost story from Japan or even your own ghost story, I love hearing people's ghost stories. Um, you can send it to at Afternoonified on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we're also at getafternoonified.com where you can buy merch. You can listen to old episodes. You can donate uh, if that. 
if the, if the spirit moves you. You can also email us at afternoonifiedpod at gmail.com. Remember to rate, subscribe, review. I can feel my voice going away. <laughs> oh, 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 no. Oh, no, there it goes. Oh, it's gone. Oh, God. We have one more episode to record. <laughs> That's later this week. Oh, God. <laughs> you need some water. It's later this week. I forgot we were recording today, so I put on my songs Emily Knows All the Words to play- uh, playlist. Oh, oh, that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah, this is the Gin Blossom's fault. All right. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. We love you. Happy spooky season. I'm going to need you all to roll plus charm to do the ad. That's a five. I got a ten. Eight. All right, Travis. Buddy can manage to get out the name of the show, but not much else. Monster Pod. Sadie. Jimmy's going to be able to get out the premise, but you didn't roll high enough for any spoilers. Monster Pod is a real play Monster of the Week podcast where four government-employed idiots try to save the world. Sarah. Thomason rolled high enough to finish the ad. Releases every other Friday here on So Below Media. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is as above, so below.